The promise of America is being squandered. How are we going to restore our nation back to a sensible, citizen-centric government? Welcome to Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy. Joyce is a businesswoman, not a politician. And she's here to offer pragmatic, possible, and post-partisan solutions for the 21st century. Now, here's your host for Reimagine America, Joyce Cordy. Welcome to the Reimagine America Radio Hour. I'm a businesswoman, not a politician. I solve problems. I don't make them. A shorthand of my 30-year business career can be summed in a single phrase. I fix broken companies. By the time a company calls an outside, air quotes, expert like moi, they've already got a lot of nervous people on the inside because the danger to the company's long-term success, survival, is apparent to some, if not too many. Renovation, renewal, means changes in purpose, products, people, and processes. Change is always scary, but change in a time of peril can be terrifying. Who are the internal winners and losers going to be? As an outsider, you're the common concern. All the companies, folks who are on the renewal team want to know or will presuppose to know your agenda. To succeed in such a situation, the first thing the outsider must do is to establish a rapport. Even when the pre-engagement due diligence has spotlighted the core issues, you know exactly what you're going to have to do. Establishing a rapport, listening rather than speaking, is essential to draw out everyone's fears and to begin to establish some minimal amount of mutual trust. And to accomplish this, I generally start with the numbers. The numbers tell what issues require immediate triage and what opportunities can be exploited after we've stopped the bleeding. It's absolutely the same in governing, except the knives are sharper and the survival skills more vicious. So let's look at the numbers for just a moment. 67% of Americans believe that Joe Biden has done a good job with the challenging transition of power in a nation beset by problems. A badly managed pandemic response, at least 10 million people unemployed, probably closer to 20 when you count the people who are not in the labor market looking for a job right now. An economy in tatters that is bordering on freefall an unsuccessful insurrection that has turned pre-inaugural Washington into a military enclave for the first time since the Civil War. The size and scope of those problems is underscored by recent polling showing that 70% of American voters think the country is on the wrong track. Of course, Democrats and Republicans who agree that we're on the wrong track disagree on the solutions and often disagree very vigorously. The president-elect has done a good job of demonstrating calm and resolve, the resolve needed to manage the pandemic to ground so that the economy can begin to recover. 
Neither task is going to be easy, especially in a bitterly partisan environment. While shocked and embarrassed Republicans in Congress are now echoing Biden's own calls for unity, this is a moment to try to do some national triage to stop the pandemic and the parallel course of economic deterioration and maybe, just maybe, do a little bit of political bridge building in parallel. We can hope, right? In politics, as in business, we call this the art of the compromise. And the first time that you go about trying to achieve a compromise between parties who are widely apart is the most difficult. If the Congress and the new president and his administration can compromise on COVID relief, it could build the muscle memory that's needed to tackle some of the more contentious issues the country faces down the road. Biden outlined a multi-pronged approach to pandemic triage last week, and a whole lot of it makes tons of sense. Extended unemployment insurance of $400 a week, extend the moratorium on evictions and foreclosures, extend the moratorium on student loan payments, accelerate funding for vaccination programs, engaging FEMA to help set up the infrastructure to give those vaccinations if necessary, and also if necessary, deploy the National Guard to speed vaccinations into actual arms. The president-elect has also invoked, talked about invoking the National Defense Production Act if that's necessary to produce more vaccine and the associated products that are needed to get that vaccine out of the factory and into the arms of American citizens. Vials, the glass, little tiny glass vials. Apparently it's really, really hard to make those. It's real art. We need more syringes. We need tons more PPE. If we need, if we need all this product and we want to get it into the marketplace quickly, we're going to need to impose the Defense Production Act to offset some of the capital costs for American manufacturers to scale up to meet the production need. And that can be done because it has global implications as well. The more we produce, the more we can help other countries to manage their pandemics. Funding is also needed to implement safety upgrades to our K-12 schools across the country so that kids can once again resume in-person learning. Both invocation of the Defense Production Act and retrofitting schools will at the very same time create jobs, good paying jobs. While there's more here that can be reasonably expected to be completed in 100 days, well, I think we could get most of it done by early this summer. You know, in business, we call this type of legislation a win-win. Not only does this proposal move the country forward toward the end of the pandemic and a return to uh, a new normal, 
but it also begins to rebuild trust between members of Congress. Here are some things that the vast majority of members from both parties can agree are necessary and helpful. These are all things that they can take back to their constituents and point to as something that they as an individual legislator have done for their community. Accomplishing something for the common good is the first step in rebuilding trust in the center of a 50-50 Senate and a House with only a five-seat Democratic majority. Delivering tangible results for middle America is step one toward building the trust that's necessary for the larger legislative agenda newly inaugurated Joe Biden and Kamala Harris will bring to Washington with, their, with themselves. Passing COVID relief can also help to build trust between individual congressional members and the people they represent. Remember, only Congress has a lower approval rating than Donald Trump, and it's by a lot. So it's common sense. It's human nature. Trust is earned. It's not automatically generated. And a lack of trust automatically eliminates the possibility of compromise. Thus, I find myself writing this on the eve of the inauguration, deeply disappointed that Biden, who has managed the last two months so well, has built trust in the electorate far in excess of his electoral victory, is now planning to squander it all in the first few days of his administration by leading with contentious issues that will serve to further divide rather than unify the country and its government. First comes news that the Democrats intend to insert a $15 an hour national minimum wage law into the necessary COVID relief package. So if you think that a proposal of an additional $1,400 stimulus payment is an obstacle to a 60 vote majority needed in the Senate, the $15 minimum wage is DOA. The $15 minimum wage already exists in the high cost of living blue states. It's opposed by the majority of voters in the interior states, and it's opposed by probably every Republican in the Senate. And then Democrats say, well, if Republicans won't vote for $15 minimum wage, we'll just pass it by budget reconciliation, which only requires Democratic votes, the 51st vote being Vice President Kamala Harris. Kamala, I'm sorry. For those who have forgotten budget reconciliation was how Obamacare was passed and the bitter partisanship we are currently experiencing was the reward. But don't worry about it. The $15 federal minimum wage won't become law for the simple reason that there are not 50 Democratic votes in the Senate to pass it. Can you imagine Joe Manchin from West Virginia explaining his vote to a skeptical hometown audience? I can't. Rather than failing by succeeding to pass this bill and nothing else in this session of Congress, a better plan would be to get COVID under control. 
get the economy stabilized, and then develop a thoughtful proposal to raise the minimum wage. Yeah, $7.50 an hour is kind of crazy low, needs to change. But we need to do it in stages during the follow-on economic redevelopment phases of Biden's Build Back Better plan. As the demand for labor returns, the issue of very low wages will largely become mute. A rising tide does lift all boats, or a limited supply and a bigger demand raises prices, huh, wages. But as if the left-wing liberal brute force approach to ramming the $15 an hour minimum wage through is not enough, in a capital that is under siege, the Biden team announced that they're going to introduce a comprehensive immigration package this week. Well, you know, let's just throw gasoline on a fire of potential comedy on day two of the administration, shall we? I mean, first of all, we Americans do not do comprehensive anything well. How many times do we have to learn that lesson? Second, the proposal has all the carrots and none of the deterrence. It's amnesty on steroids. If you thought Reagan was wrong 30 years ago, this is a lot worse. Third, it expands the same old, same old system that has failed us for more than 30 years leading to even more widespread disillusionment, fear, and anger in the heartland of the country. Fourth, it does not give a moment's notice, a momentary thought to the changing labor needs of a 21st century economy. And while it has no chance of passing in its current form, anticipation of its arrival has already set off a cry of socialism and amnesty that will be heard across Fox News and then more broadly in the suburbs across the land. And it dooms all chances of achieving the sort of thoughtful compromise this nagging problem demands. Yes, we need immigration reform. Nobody disputes that, but it must be done carefully. It must be done in steps. It must serve the future as well as the present. I'll have more to say about the specifics once the proposal is released. And most disappointingly, it dooms all hope for compromise on the economic and national security and climate change issues that could make a real improvement in the quality of lives of all Americans and create tens of millions of good new jobs throughout the country. Rebuilding a successful nation is just like rebuilding a successful company. Trust must be earned with the little things before the big things have any slight chance of succeeding. Because big things don't happen absent trust. What puzzles me the most is that Joe Biden knows that this axiom is true. So why waste all the built up political capital? on two proposals that are doomed to fail and to dissipate all that political capital in moments all at the same time. 
Is it just to appease Bernie Sanders and AOC? Oh, please. Thanks for listening to Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy. You can learn more at reimagineamerica.org. Got a comment or an idea for a future show? Email Joyce at reimagineamerica.org or find her on Twitter at Joyce Cordy or at Reimagine Radio. Take a minute now and go to reimagineamerica.org. Join the forum. We'd love to hear your thoughts. If you love the podcast, donate and tell others. You can invite Joyce to speak at your next meeting or conference through reimagineamerica.org. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast at ricochet.com or c-sweetnetwork.com. That's c-sweetnetwork.com. Together, we really can reimagine America. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.